The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Robots Radio presents... Dwellers, Wastelanders, it is time again for, well, let me just pause there. This is a dual episode. This is both the Fallout Lorecast and the Fallout Hub happening at the same time. This episode will be released on both feeds for you to enjoy with your ear holes. And you might be looking at the screen right now during the live stream of this or on the YouTube video of this and wonder what is going on with these different faces. Well, I have, as usual, for the Fallout Lorecast, my daughter Lainey. Lainey, welcome. How's it going? And good, good. And also, as usual, from the Fallout Hub, Ken. Ken, what's up? How's it going? Ken, everybody's creepy today. Nobody's talking and everybody's just like smiling and waving at the camera. So um, this is an audio platform, friends. So we will need to use words, human English words, most likely, um, as opposed to like other languages or other animals speaking so no barking or whatever a draft says um but welcome everybody back to the show this uh the reason why we're doing this for this episode is because our friend kennethy here and that is your full name right kennethy uh yes yes kennethy um kennethy here has been oh delving that's probably a good term delving into the situation with the mole miners he's been digging the around casual situation the with casual the situation with the mole miners didn't been digging around in the the depths of the mines where the mole miners are to discover some very interesting details about the mole miners that we until now i don't know that anybody other than say the developers were really aware of this is kind of this is very new to me what do you think? I think I think this was one of those things, and we'll get into why. Um, it just kind of was an obvious thing that was there that people didn't really put together for a number of reasons. Yeah. So that thus we have an episode that makes sense for both the lore cast because we're talking about the lore of the mole miners, and for the Fallout Hub because we're talking about Fallout seventy six. So we decided we're going to double this up. We're going to do a double episode. Um, so as always, if you are interested in tuning into this show as the fallout hub live we are live right now on twitch.tv slash the fallout hub on uh tuesday at 5 p.m eastern 2 p.m pacific if you would like to tune in to the fallout lorecast at a regular time you wouldn't have been able to last night because we were delaying till today but you can check that out at, at twitch.tv slash robots radio on monday nights 9 p.m eastern uh 6 p.m pacific so let's get into it ken what what kinds of what, what first of all what sent you down this uh mine shaft we'll, we'll call it before uh before i get to that let me ask you what was your first experience with a mole miner 
Um, it was a drunken night. I was uh, feeling alone, and I was. Uh, we all do things a, in college that we trying out a bar okay. I'd never been to before. Met a met a sweet little mole miner woman. She uh, she she leaned over while I was drinking alone at the bar, and she went. <laughs> And I knew right then that the rest of my night would not be a normal night. Kids in chat, you know you found love when she leaves a rolling pin. A furious rolling pin. A furious a rolling furious pin. furious two-star useless rolling pin on the nightstand. Um, she leaves with her heart <laughs> in the pouring rain. Yeah. So uh, my, real, my real first experience, not the imaginary one that I, I tell myself. Um, trying to remember back. Now we're, we're thinking back way back to when this game first came out. And I was probably in my mid-teen levels, probably a few hours into the game, doing some mm -hmm. questing in, uh, in the, the Ash Heap area, probably, right? I probably stumbled upon them in uh, the remains of like a industrial site somewhere before going down into a mine. I don't think I was in a mine the first time I ran to them. And... I, I don't have a clear memory of it, but I, I do think I probably saw something moving around in the distance that looked like this big old hunched over lump of a thing. And then I got closer and heard, <laughs> which is one of my favorite sounds to make. Could you, what was that? I didn't hear it. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Yeah. Um, uh, little, little, little known fact. <laughs> I was, uh, I did all of the my, mole minor sounds. I did all the voiceover work for them in the game. And then they scrapped that and they went with the people who actually did them. Tom just violated a major NDA. <laughs> major <so>. NDA. <laughs> uh. um, my experience was pretty similar. Um, I had found out where, I mean, this is like the, the wild west days of 76 kids. You weren't, yeah. you weren't, you weren't hopping all over back, the map. Like back, some kind of. When I was your wild age. wackadoo. I don't know what that word is. Yeah, but no wild wackadoo. No human um, beings to talk to to tell you where to go next. Just it was, uh, just area holotapes. chat was always on so you could hear couples arguing over. Oh, um, dude, I remember this. Over what pizza topping or who was going to get tied up that evening. Or That's some kid's story. Yeah, or some kid's, well, yeah, well, there you go. Or some kid's mom That's saying, you know, well, what are you doing over there? Turn that game off. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I headed down um, to go after the excavator armor, and that's where I first encountered them. And it mm -hmm. was the same kind of thing. They're just really jarring. Mm -hmm. um, and not only do they just start shooting at you, at some point they just kind of get frustrated, and they just come charging at you, all yeah. fists or claws. And it's just kind of, it's unsettling. Um, really um, in a frightening way. So, you know, all you hear is what Tom just did. Um, <laughs> now, mind you, there were some evenings where, um, I had quite a lot to drink and in a very stream of consciousness clarity that often only comes when you've had, you met the same lady I did at the bar. I met the same lady that Tom did and wow. she left with my heart and she left me a rolling pin as well. And a rolling pin. Um, she, she brings rolling pins to leave. That's her. She does. That's all. She gives out crap. Mark. Um, she bakes well too. So, she uses them to bake first. She also leaves she cookies does. with them. She leaves the cookies and the rolling pin. Before the war, she was Betty Crocker. Um, <laughs> this is some, what there's some deep, this is some deep lore for you. This is now what now we know. This is what happens to Betty Crocker. You should see what happened to Mama Celeste. That's no scorch beast queen. 
I've been watching a lot of baking shows on uh, Netflix and stuff lately. I, now in my in my own head canon, all of the mole miners are all former contestants on the British baking show. I thought they were former contestants on The Price is Right. Like you get to a point where you think, never get the final showcase and you're just angry about it. Yeah, I think there's kind of a, there's a Venn diagram somewhere where there's a crossover. It's pretty significant, I would imagine. Anyway, I go, we'll go on, go on. Let's get back to the topic here. <laughs> so, um... So bearing all of that in mind, um, on some evenings, I would think that I heard them say something specific. You just kind of discard it and you don't really think about it or dwell on it for the most part, you know, because of their appearance, um, you know, you, you think that at one point they were human, but, um, we grew up in an era where we've seen a lot of horror movies about inbred humans living in caves and whatnot, um, that just sort of terrorizes people. Um, particularly in the case subgenre is inbred humans it, in caves. <laughs> it's, it's a whole Netflix category. <laughs> Lainey, have you, I highly have you watched, recommend it this month. I, I, Lainey's a fan of that stuff too. Those are her favorite. In caves? Yeah, inbred. Yeah. That's your favorite subgenre of horror, right? I, Lainey, so yeah. a little bit of background. Lainey um, studied, did film studies and she was in a very special program, a very special high school program and she did film studies. Yeah. That, that was her four specialty. Yeah, four-year film studies and all of her films she did were inbreds in caves. She did like an entire series. If you look up in, actually, that's the name of the series, Inbreds and Caves. There's Inbreds and Caves 1, Inbreds and Caves 2, Double Bread, Inbreds and Caves 3. Um, <laughs> we're back again, MFers. Yeah, that's, I don't know how you got away with that title in high school, but. It was rough, you know, lots of back and forth with the teacher. Didn't fly in film festivals. Mm. It's unfortunate. It's a, it's a spelunking elective right there. Yep. All right. So, so go on. Yeah. So, um, when you think about West Virginia, um, a, a lot in the horror movie genre, I think we're, we're programmed, um, to look at anything in that degree that has that amount of animal ferocity with lacking common human traits. So they're not exactly empathetic. Um, you just kind of kill them on site. You don't really dwell on it. Um, the movie, the horror movie that came out called Wrong Turn actually did a great disservice uh, to Appalachia, who um, for a very long time now has had the misconception that um, it is not only one of the poorest regions in the country, um, but that inbreeding is, is kind of run amok. Um, in the middle part of the 20th century, it got to the degree that there were some studies done and even some some test highly questionable programs that um, paid men to become sterilized under a program that focused on eugenics. It's it's a debunked scientific theory from a very dark period of our history um, mm. that Hitler, of all period people, was a proponent of. It's basically selective breeding of what's considered superior genes or superior right, traits. Right. I um, saw and I shared on my uh, Facebook profile recently a study that they did trying to uh, determine. Uh, so uh, there have been studies that determine like the earliest common ancestor of, say, all humans. Well, they, they did a study that was like the earliest common ancestor of uh, like specific like gene uh, so 
it's complex. If you have two parents and they both provide their genes to a, to a child and then two more parents and they provide their genes to a child, some of those genes get passed on. Some of them don't. So you may not have any genes from a specific parent. Anyway, there's a whole there's a whole thing about this. And then the the process of, you know, if you have two parents, you have four grandparents, you have eight great great grandparents, you have 16 and the numbers get up really, really big. So it turns out that if you go back, I think it's it's no more than. Like if you're of European lineage, you go back a thousand to a thousand A.D. and everybody shares all of the same um, ancestors. Nobody born before a thousand A.D. in Europe has genes that didn't get passed down to all of us. If that makes sense. And if you look at the entire population of the world, it was only roughly 2000 B.C.E. at the or 1500 B.C.E. at the at the or the latest that we all share genes. So you're not looking hundreds of thousands of years for a common gene ancestor. It's actually only about 3000 years ago. So all humans who are currently on the planet all can trace back to everyone or a specific group of po- a population that lived 3000 years ago, no matter how different we look or where we live now. It's amazing to think about how closely we are connected to each other. There was a period in the 90s, yeah, where where I shared genes. I had Janko genes. You could fit multiple people in there. That's true. That's true. Yeah, if they had those back in uh, 3,000 years ago, you would have fit everybody that you're related to all in the same pair of Janko genes. I'm pretty sure they did. Mm -hmm. Go on. Um, So um, the the misconception that um, there's, you know, uh, a variety of, of people disproportionately living in Appalachia um, that is inbred mutant monsters um, has proven to not be true. In fact, of all places, Washington State has the highest amount of inbreeding in in any of the states, which really? is not something that's talked about. But yeah, but there's oh. a historical um, lineage. Part of it is the misconception that was put forth by um, oil barons, the tycoons of the last country century, that basically. Um, robbed Appalachia of its heritage, um, its natural minerals, the Rockefellers, the uh, coal and oil barons and whatnot. Oil so barons. The, when you, you raise people in an environment, you keep them impoverished to keep the money flowing in. Um, as opposed to make them sympathetic, you create this, this storyline that they're essentially all just all a bunch of Billy inbreds, mm-hmm. which couldn't be further than truth. Um, I raise all of that because uh, I think all of us, when you think of hillbilly, we think of Appalachia, we think about how poor it is and inbreeding and those horror movies and all of that. So all of these things kind of shape our perception, I think, of the mole miners, um, which we know are, are pre-war. They were humanoid at one point. Um, talking a little bit about um, what they are. So they are human. They are mutated. Um, in the loading screens, it describes them that they're trapped within their mining suits. Um, mm-hmm. So they can't get out of these things. It's essentially fused to them. Yeah, that so was the impression I had was that they, they'd kind of bonded with their, their, their mining suits. Something had happened through radiation or mutation or whatever that bonded them to the suits, the very suits that they're in that are now part of kind of who they are. Right, exactly. Uh, they can't get out of that. So it's like uh, Darth Vader on steroids because there's a whole bunch of them, not just one person. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But they're, they're highly violent. Um, they'll attack anything that they perceive as a, a threat. And I'm going to come back to that because that word is actually really important. When you do the lost and found quest, that's the repeatable quest. Um, you find keys on one of their bodies. So you go to their locker that they had before they became this, you know, hulking monstrosity um, and retrieve some valuables that were left in there from when they were workers before the war. Um, also in uranium fever, as you're going through doing that event, um, the automated system will recognize former supervisors um, and will let you know that they're terminated management and should be killed on site. Um, <laughs> terminated. Which is impressive because the, the system is still able to recognize them in some fashion, even though they're kind of these mutated monstrosities. I wonder if it's a, a gene scan. I mean, obviously their genes would be mutated, but I don't know. There, there's something there, right? They're recognizing there would something. have to be, yeah, for them to, to recognize it. Um, they also keep mole rats as domesticated pets, which is interesting. Um, yes, which I also love it demonstrates that they are they have human traits um, where they not only have friendships, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. Um, they also have mole rats that they hang around with as pets. Um, in fact, now with um, Wastelanders, there's a random encounter you'll come across where raiders are battling some mole miners, and there's a triggered line that one of them will say that uh, they say they keep mole rats as pets. That's weird. Um, mm -hmm. In ancient times, some of the first peoples um, domesticated wolves, and that's you know where dogs come from. So there's this kind of um, there's some real human traits to them, aside from you know the fact that all we can do is hear them scream. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we we know them as hulking monstrosities that are screaming into a pasta strainer. Um, <laughs> pasta strainer, yes, right. I mean, there's a few exceptions. You know, you have uh, Mother Murmurg, mm -hmm. um, that for mm -hmm. whatever reason um, is not only passive, but she she took it upon herself to you know dig up from the ground um, and then go build the script machines for us. And then set herself up That's as great. a legendary purveyor, originally at Berkeley Springs, and then she she relocated to the Rusty Pick. Maybe uh, she's the one that left the bowling pin and the cookies. There's nothing better than Mama Merg Merg's cookies. Mm -hmm. Mama Merg, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's, you know what I'm saying. She's a real hero, though. I I appreciate her efforts. She is. I mean, you know, she's tortured, and yet she has like this Zen light stake of of judging you. So you walk up to her with your script, you sashay up there and you're like, Hey mama, hey, mama I heard you're having a sale today, girl. Hey. It's my script. What you Lay got behind the counter lady? Let me have a look. See. Uh, and she's like, uh, what's that? All ghoul slayer stuff. Here you go. Here's yeah. A bowling pin. Yeah. Here's a <laughs> oh. boxing glove. Here you go. Here's a white ivory grip. Um, and then every now and then she'll grace you with something good. She'll say, you know what, kid? You've been through enough. Here you go. Here you go. Here's a plus one strength god tier roll meat hook. Yeah, like here's a, here's a, that here's a bloodied avoiding armor, you know, plus strength cleaver of some sort you know, or whatever. Yeah, every yeah. now and then she'll yeah, grace you. But she's got a little friend that hangs around with her down there in the basement. Um, and as yet, it looks like there's a tunnel system underneath there that connects to somewhere. We don't know where. Um, so there's there's some interesting stuff there that that could be answered more or expounded on um they they're described as degenerating so we know that they were human 
just 26 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So it's impressive to have that degree of mutation in that period of time to the point that they're short, they're hunched, they're stocky, but they're have uh, really amplified strength to the degree of super mutants. Um, their face and limbs are really bloated, thick. Their eyes bulge. Um, their eyes bulge? I don't know that I've seen their eyes. Yeah. Huh. The, um, the reason that all of this started is I, I started researching mole miners for a horror story that I'm writing uh, for the end of the month. That's not going to be a Chad story. Um, our writers group mm -hmm. is doing um, horror tales set in Appalachia. So this one's a little serious. Um, but when I started reading into them, it was just casually thrown out there, something that, that blew my mind, that the mole miners have dialogue lines, like uh, actual lines that a voice actor read the script yeah. and then went, Oh my God, it got up my ass. I don't even know what's going on right now. Please don't shoot me. Um, I, I could tell what you said that time. Well, I'm not a professional <laughs> voice actor. <laughs> not like, I'm sure West, that was all West Johnson. Oh, we lost Lady. Oh no, she'll come back. Don't worry. It's, she's got bad internet sometimes. Hang on, chat. The, uh... Yep, she's back. There we go. Opened. We got you back. <laughs> Tom Hardy's, um, yeah, they should all sound like Tom Hardy's Bane. Oh, Batman. <laughs> oh, get out of my mind. I will murder you. Bane the mole miner? Yeah. I see you have some script there, Mr. Voltola Man. <laughs> your power over me? <laughs> oh, it's Bane in the back, Batman. Give me your script. Anyway, I'm going to give you a furious rolling pin. <laughs> um, we could do this all day. All right. So, so yeah, so they have so actual yeah. lines. Yep. So with, um, with the help of the data miners, cause I'd read that in the wiki, I saw what the lines were, but I wanted to go back to the original source. So we, we dug into the files, found all of the actual sound files for their dialogue and then we found in the, the files the, the EDIDs that had script notations um, that are right in the game files in terms of, of what the file matches up to. So mm -hmm. using that, um, we were able to match the audio clips with the actual script. And once you do that, you can, once you hear it and you know what you're looking for, you can make out what they're saying a little easier than just the screaming. Yeah. Some of the. <laughs> Some of the most interesting dialogue was their idle dialogue. And Which that is includes, all about Batman. <laughs> Sorry, it go is, on. Yeah. <laughs> it includes um, the line, need to keep digging. We'll find it soon. Can't wait until another surfacer shows up. Mm -hmm. The green men, blind as all the rest in the tunnels. Gotta keep the claws sharp. The blue suits just want to tear them into pieces. All right. So wait, wait, wait. Um, Can we pause here? The green yeah. men, those have to be super mutants, right? If they get the super mutants uh, down. Actually, I looked into it. What did you find? So, well, according to the wiki, at least even in it, because it has some of these quotes, um, it has, you know, the links to what they are. And specifically, it was one kind of super mutant, but it, it is a super mutant. Right. Mm. 
And then the blue suits that vault dwellers. Mm-hmm. Right. It could be vault dwellers, but I, I think there's something more to it. Um, and okay. when we, we get to the end of this story, we'll come back to why I think the color is important. All right. Um, now, in order to match these up, one of the interesting things with those lines, um, those entries are marked 0009. And the, the EDID sequence um, for all of the game files is fairly consistent in terms of its numbering scheme. So all of the mm-hmm. new stuff, the stuff that came out with Wastelanders and even since, um, starts with 005 for the most part. The older stuff is 0013 or 0009. Those lines, particularly the one need to keep digging, we'll find it soon, was an entry marked 00096A54. I couldn't find the actual audio clip that that was linked to. So even though it's scripted in the game files, there's no matching audio clip that's in the game files, which means that either um, it was never recorded or it was discarded um, or it's part of, of cut content. Um, speaking of the, the cut content and this may be what it's linked to um, last year, there was a, a video that popped up on YouTube. That was a leak that showed a mole miner underground city. That's actually a, a pretty impressive looking structure. Um, it's basically buildings, buses, um, some shacks, Built underground, um, police, you know, collapsed tunnels and ruins. Um, there's a red rocket garage down there. Um, that entire um, area is marked as a test cell. Um, what does that mean? So it either, the test cell um, could have been from pre-development. So as developers were developing the game, creating these test cells just to, uh, you know, plop characters into to play around with stuff. Right, or right. It could also be content that hasn't happened yet and maybe we'll get at some point. Mm-hmm. It is a really cool space. Um, well, we do know notes. that there's like a underground car network thing going on with like the Raiders. And is this connected to that? Maybe this isn't connected to that. Um, but I think um, the mother load, um, the tunnels in which that she digs through gives them great access to move around Appalachia, um, probably following in its tails, just kind of moving through the tunnels and expanding them on their own. Um, the environment down there would be really, really cool for some of the new daily ops Oh yeah, to have mole miners as a variant. I think we talked about that, you and I, how cool yeah. that would be to have like ridiculously overpowered mole miners that we fight, um, particularly in that space, because it's one that nobody's really seen aside from that video. Yeah. I could imagine um, an, like an entire, like we're talking, if this was a fantasy game, I mean, it's fantasy, but if this was a typical fantasy game, they would be the dwarves or something, right? This would be like evil dwarves who are like mining, delving into the earth and creating these really cool structures. But I mean, this could be the fallout equivalent of something like that. They could have some sort of palace with like ridiculous things and all the things they collect from the surface and bring down there. Yeah. It's, if you think about it too, there's also um, some interesting science fiction parallels with them. Um, if you're a fan of H.G. Wells, the Time Machine novel, and even the George Powell film, which is one of my favorite films of all time, it's a great story showcasing what happens when um, 
humans live underground for too long and kind of de-evolve into these kind of hunk, mindless monstrosities mm-hmm. um, that are super violent. Um, it's a really, the George Powell Time Machine movie is really excellent, Chad, if you ever want to see something that's uh, it's very Fallout-like with its, its weird retrofuturism. Um, there's the treasure hunter mole miners. Um, I started to think once I found this out, I thought, well, geez, does mother Murmurmurg have voice dialogue? And if so, is she saying something like, uh, get the fuck out of my store. I hate you kids. Um, <laughs> or stuff I like that. When you visit me, Batman, bring me my script. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's, from now on, that's my head cannon. Every time I visit her, that's what she's saying. FM Appalachia, I'm going to free you, Dan. Yeah, so I started to wonder if they had dialogue, and then I, I, I started going down a really upsetting path. Uh-oh. If you remember the Treasure Hunter Mole Miner event, uh-huh. Treasure Muncher, Hunter Mole Miners, Treasure, just treasure Muncher, wander, <laughs> Treasure Muncher, Treasure Munchers, <laughs> um, are just kind of wandering around. You find them because they're you know making a racket and they're yeah. broadcasting Morse code. Right, they're passive. Like, yeah, they and they try to run fight. away. Right. They're like, yeah, they like just running and you don't know what they're saying. So my right. fear is that they were like translated. They were saying something like, oh, God, please, I'm just trying to help you or leave me alone. Please don't kill me or something right. like that, or, which would just, just about break me. I'm trying to get back to the dark, Batman. Leave me alone. Yeah. And in response, I say, um, I really need a circus car in my camp. So I need to murder you for <laughs> yes, it. Yes. I need to murder you for my circus car. Yes. That's, justified that's, murder. I don't know. That's any other capitalism reason. at its best right there, kids. Yes. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, buying things but, with other people's lives. So we looked into it and the treasure hunters um, and Mother Murmurmurk actually don't have any voiced dialogue that's revealed in the files. Uh. Um, so at least that's something. It would have been interesting if she did. Maybe that's something we'll get eventually. Um, but there are nine variants of mole miners. And then there are some extras that actually haven't been unlocked yet. Ooh. Um, so we have the regular mole miner. We have the scrapper, the digger, the rock breaker, the foreman, the supervisor, the glowing, the scorched, and then the treasure hunter one. Um, the ones that were added with the vault raids that were cut that are still there, but they're just not in game are the mole miner scrapper or sapper rather uh, dredger skull crusher and deadly. Um, Ooh, skull crusher. But the deadly one is just, you know, deadly. It's got like five arms or something. Um, <laughs> possibly a rolling pin. I want, um, oh, so okay. My, <laughs> my, my other, my, my, my want for these is for them to evolve in like really weird, grotesque ways. So like some of them have their pickaxes just fused to their arms or, you know, like they just become more and more the thing that they seem to be turning into. I think a great end game boss would be if, if they like merge together, like a transformer. <laughs> into, like, you have like multiple inside a mine car. So it was like, like, you know, part mine cart, part multiple mole miners. Yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, like construction perfect, yeah. equipment, like a bulldozer. Like they've like merged mm. themselves into the kinds of equipment that you would use for tunneling. You know, like one of them has like a drill on it. And I'm all, all of a sudden we're at like Big Daddy's from Bioshock or mm-hmm. something. But like pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Man, mole miner Voltron. Mole <laughs> miner, there you go. My, mole miner Voltron or the Constructicons. Remember the Constructicons? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those were badass. Yeah. So they, uh, as far as their dialogue, there are multiple categories of what their lines actually are. They have uh, lines for when they get wounded or hit, such as, Ugh, that's all you got. Ugh, I'll kill you for that. Uh, and variations of that. Mm. Um, when they're in combat, they say stuff like, now, there, kill, kill. Uh, fucking kill all of you. I'll peer, peel off all your skin. Great. Snap every bone in your body. Uh, it gets worse from here. Some of their lines uh-huh. are pretty graphic. Warning, warning, warning. <laughs> Um, their normal behavior, uh, so if, if they just kind of, if you go into stealth or they miss you, they'll say things like nothing is over, uh, damn got away or next time. Um, they have lines for being alerted, uh, such as what something, huh? Um, losing the combatant over here, hmm, some, uh, won't take long. Uh, when they go from combat to normal behavior, um, meaning they've killed you, they say things like, yeah, that's right and stay dead uh, that's it die or that's all um their alert idle lines are things like i'll find you can't hide forever come out uh from here is where it gets pretty specific mm-hmm. they have friendships so allies that they're actually bonded to ah. if you kill the ally they'll say some really graphic stuff uh such as you'll fucking pay for that he or she is dead. Now you're dead. One more reason to kill you or you're next. Huh? So the fact so that they, they have, they, they actually have. Re- so the fact that they have like allied relationships. Yeah. Um, is in a way even more upsetting. Like you, you killed their, their friend or you right. know, a loved one. And right. Like well, they're, they're lasting. I wonder if those are lasting like relationships that they had before they were mutated in the same way that they still have some of their belongings on them. Or if they yeah. are still self-aware enough to be building relationships, even though, they, I mean, like, we know, even though ghouls, unless they're feral, feral ghouls just act like crazy zombies, right? But ghouls act like normal people. They're, they're very mutated, but in their brains, at least for their, their basic brain chemistry, still works the same. You know, they, they relate to other people just like they, they normally would. Um they also tend to be a little bit grumpy because they're uncomfortable. Their bodies don't feel good. You know, like there's, there's kind of, right. just kind of grumpy. This seems like if you were to take that to the next extreme and, you know, take a mutated person and stuff them into a suit and merge them with their suit and they're uncomfortable and hot and they can't get out of it. And it's part of who they are. And they, you know, and everything sucks, but they still are kind of just doing what they need to do to survive and get along with the people around them. It's, it's, it's like, there's still a person in there, just a very angry person. <laughs> yeah, the more I dug into this, um, the more it, uh, it changes how you view them. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't help but think about it now every time I kill one. <laughs> um, so they, they have taunting lines that are actually some of the most dialogue variety that they had. Um, and some of these are pretty terrifying. Um, in a way, it's almost good that you can't make out what they say. Uh-huh. Um, things like tear your face in half, line the tunnels with your bones, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. never see the light again, break every fucking bone you have, mm-hmm. dig mm-hmm. straight into your eyes. Nice. I'll claw your teeth out. What nice. the actual? <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually think about clawing teeth out, but all right. I mean, that's or uh, I'll drag you into hell. 
right. No, thank you. Okay. Um, they have um, melee-specific dialogue, um, which is the only variety of dialogue based on the weapon that they're holding. Um, the melee ones uh, also have pretty graphic dialogue. <laughs> okay. Tear you apart, spread your guts on the floor. Mm-hmm. Let's hear your bones snap. How do you like me up close? Um, How do you like me up I close? That's what the lady I don't the want to said. hear that. When you're screaming and running at me. Thank you very much. Jesus Christ. Um, so that's kind of what they are. So then I started looking into um, really thinking about why they are the way they are. And one of the biggest questions that I had, if, if they're still human, they domesticate animals. They have a social structure. Um, they have a hierarchy where they still recognize a supervisor or um, roles that they have. Why are they so violent on site? Um, And this is where we get into some interesting real life stuff. So in 1972, a doctor named Michelle Sifra spent six months in Midnight Cave in Texas. His experiment was to determine um, how long-term living in a cave would affect you from a physical and mental state. Is this the um, one where they, uh, they figured out that your actual sleep cycle isn't 24 hours? Yes, yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I'm familiar with this. Yeah. So it's um, the isolation and sensory deprivation had a rapid impact on his physical and mental health. Um, it only took a few weeks in that darkness before he started contemplating suicide. And by the 77th day, his memory had deteriorated to such a degree that he lost his short-term memory. Um, he had to write everything down. After the six months was up and he emerged from his experience, um, he was left with lasting long-term memory lapses, decreased eyesight, and other psychological issues. He suffered from wow. back and joint pain with his back and shoulders visibly drooped. Sensory deprivation in particular can lead to visual, oral, and tactile hallucinations as recorded during another 1954 study that was done uh, by McGill University. Yeah, it's like your um, brain is constantly looking for stimulus, and if it doesn't get it, it'll make it for itself. And this, is, this is even worse than that, because on top of you know, being subjected, that was six months. We're yeah. talking decades. Right, right. That's, that's terrifying. On top of the fact that you're locked in this suit that's fused to you. So like you said, you're uncomfortable. Right. Um, I mean, imagine constantly being in pain. It's it's a, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, Most, I mean, a a lot of people will get to a certain point in their life where they are in some form of constant pain due to medical issues and things. And often, you know, older adults, this is something that they will talk about, like constantly being in pain. And the idea, like I, I suffer migraines, I have headaches all the time. When I'm going through that, I am almost non-functional, you know, but can you imagine like that's just your normal state is just constant, not just being uncomfortable, but like in pain, like really just, I don't know, isolated, put in a suit, uncomfortable, hot, probably mutated in some way. You're just like, oh, all of that together. No wonder they're going to be angry and mad at everybody. Violent. There's also, you know, you think too about. The tactile impact, you know, because of COVID-19, a lot of us went for quite a while, if not still, where, you know, especially with parents who maybe have some health complications, you can't hug them. 
um, or you, you stay away from them for a while. And um, as people, we want that tactile touch. We want to be mm-hmm. held and hugged and we want to touch yeah. people or put a reassuring hand on a friend. They can't do any of that. No. So no. on top of I, this is just a living nightmare state. Right. Um, they did a study with dogs, um, with petting a dog on the head, like behind the ears, just rubbing a dog's head. And they, they showed that the sa- you and the dog both release the same uh, chemicals in your brain when you do this, that increase your mood, make you happy, reduce your blood pressure. Like the, the positive benefit of just a simple, simply touching a dog is amazingly beneficial to both the human and the dog. Now, imagine that's touching another human. You can imagine that that would be better than touching a dog, you know, like the need for hug that like, these are all physiological needs. These are not just emotional things where you feel like, Oh, I was a child. I needed hugs. Now I'm an adult. So because I grew up needing hugs, I still need hugs. No, you physically are designed in a way where your body responds biologically to this. And if you remove it, then you're removing those biological triggers from your brain altogether. So yes, that is very much. I think, uh, chat i think oxytocin is the one that you're talking about i think you're right yeah Yeah, it is oxytocin Mm -hmm. yep good call yeah but it's part of it's part Um, of the natural regular way that your brain needs to function and if you don't get certain chemicals in your brain then you start to fall apart enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Another um, effect of long-term cave living has to do with oxygen. Um, on July 2nd, 2018, rescuers reached that stranded soccer team in Thailand that had gone missing in the Tam Luang Caves. They were in there for just 10 days. And while oxygen generally isn't an issue, even deep underground, um, because it flows in through limestone, which is porous, as well as cracks, contaminants are often found in the air that cause long-term lung issues. Um, carbon dioxide buildup, dust, ash, even animal feces um, can emit ammonia into the air, as well as fungal spores, all of which damage the lungs. So if people live down there trapped for decades in their mining gear, literally fused into it, um, coming to the surface and inhaling pure air after decades of that 
um, mm-hmm. relying on their ventilators. Removing that ventilator would be an immediate shock to the system, perhaps enough to kill. And the PTS recently dropped us some new, more minor lore. Um, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, so uh, you can turn away for the next five minutes. Spoilers. Um, we're getting some updates with the Enclave and Brotherhood with this new update, which I'm really excited about. Um, this particular entry came from the Enclave Research Division regarding Subject B-06. It reads, I almost pity this one. The, Scot- the scouts recovered two of them from Welch. We suspect they were once the residents. They do appear to have a moderate amount of intelligence. However, upon the removal of the respiration device on one subject, it suffocated almost instantly. Further study may be worthwhile. Wow. So that was kind of a cool um, update to Mole Minor Lord. I hope we get more of that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, could, I could imagine an entire expansion at some point. So that's kind of, that's what they are. So um, there's been, since the beginning of the game, there's been some really wild theories. Um, and I wanted to kind of round up some of those before I, th- I explain what I think the origin of the mole miners is. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the theories include that they were children who had worked in the mines, um, which is why when you loot them, they often have toys. Um, huh. While, while children working in mines um, was a real problem in the 19th and early part of the 20th century, particularly in Appalachia, um, I don't think it's that at all. Um, Another theory had to do with them being inbred pre-war Appalachians who lived in caves. I don't think it's that either. I think once again, it's that awful Elijah Dushku movie that came out there. Um, (laughs) Another one is that the Enclave ended up creating them by, by splicing their DNA with mole rats, hence the name. Um, I don't think it's that either. Um, Another one is that they could be personnel from vault 63. Um, which is in the right area um, that perhaps that vault didn't work as intended. Um, that was part of the vault raids. We never, ever got into vault 63. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thought one person thought they maybe dug their way out and became mutated in the process. Um, the mole miners that I mentioned earlier that were cut content were supposed to be part of that raid. Um, as part of that, um, some of the cut content there's you, have to locate a fireman engineer or an officer in there as part of that vault raid. Um, so I don't know if the point of that vault was just for fireman engineers, officer, maybe civil servants. Uh, maybe that's what the purpose of that, that population was, but we don't know at this point and maybe eventually that vault will open and we'll get some more lore about it. Yeah, um, that'd be nice. Here's what I think um, the backstory of the mole miners are. So in our history, the coal wars uh, of the late 19th and early 20th century was a, a really violent labor uprising. And the Battle of Blair Mountain being the largest armed uprising since the Civil War. Um, and if you're really interested in a lot of this history, uh, Widgen TV that we've had on, I'm a huge fan of his videos. He did a great video series digging into kind of the backstory of, of the coal wars um, and how the lore of Fallout 76 ties into some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Fallout, this same uprising stemmed from the automation riots, with automation coming in and atomic mining services switching from traditional labor over to Robco robots. Um, as AMS started hunting down the ultra site that they discovered, they forced families out of Welch 
in October of 2077, so just before the Great War, after discovering an ultrasite vein underneath there. After right. that, the miners rallied together, started setting up roadblocks and arming themselves. AMS corporate enforcers and the National Guard were called in, as was a fleet of Robco Striker Breaker robots paid for by the Hornwrights, and they started using lethal force on the miners to put them down. In Charleston, the bloodiest battle took place at the Poseidon Energy Plant VW, uh, WV rather, 06, that had been cold-fired since the 70s, uh, but refitted to burn ultrasite leased from AMS. The corporate and government influence that they had there and general unrest caused a walkout with staff. Uh, they wanted a contract. They wanted, you know, long-term job security because they saw what happened to the miners. The Associated Miners Union backed them and helped them to organize the protests. The plant security manager, Brent Olson, used the ultrasite as an excuse for the National Guard to be called in under the guise that it was a national security issue. Mm. So National Guard shows up. The plan was put in place uh, to deal with them permanently. They wanted to end organized labor and turn the media and general public in their favor. So they planned to use hallucinogen gas on the picketers, making them turn on each other violently, that triggering a riot. Unfortunately, what they didn't plan on was that the mob, when they turned violent, turned on the soldiers and the plant itself, tearing off the soldiers' masks. The soldiers, too, succumbed to the gas. It ended in a bloodbath, and the Great War happened shortly thereafter. Um, to talk a little bit about, about hallucinogen, we had to go back to Fallout 4. Um, and when you, you go into uh, hallucinogen, to, to, when you're going into that building and part of that quest, um, it's designed, or it was designed, for riot pacification. It's a, it's a Type 2 frag grenade. The interesting thing is what happened in testing. Um, so in testing, two of, out of five people were injured by the explosion itself. One was seriously. Five out of five suffered traumatic adrenal gland rupture due to gas exposure, leading to hallucinations, erratic behavior, and increased aggression uh, prone to frenzies. Um, four out of five of them were killed in the ensuing melee. Uh, so they were put in a room and they, they all beat each other to death. Right, um, right. One in five died due to heart failure. Um, it says, similarly to previous tests, that the concentration required for wide era dispersal, massive adrenal, adrenaline surges occur. Recommend revisiting the chemical substrate. Um, October 18th, 2077, um, right around the time that the riot would have occurred at Poseidon, um, was a notation that the gas still causes traumatic adrenal gland rupture and frenzy in four out of five subjects after adjustment on one survived initial exposure and began to acclimate before being beaten to death by the other subjects. <laughs> other subjects regressed. Um, we suggest adjusting dosage and retesting. Um, so it's pretty, have, it's pretty on the um, nose then for some of the we have, activity. Well, yeah, you've got, um, all of these workers, yeah. um, molar, uh, miners that are coming to help out. So you have this large crowd, hallucinogen gas being dispersed there, as well as other parts of Appalachia on the citizens. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the Great War happens. 
um, the miners and the pre-war civilians that are still under the long-term effects of hallucinogen gas fled into the mines. It would make sense for them to flee underground with the exposure to radiation from ultrasite mining as well as nuclear fallout. They had nothing but their soups and, uh, suits and respirator gear, so they develop a society still underground best they can, still human but deformed, and still feeling the effects of hallucinogens. So right. they're prone to violence, um, frenzy. Um, even though between that and you know long-term cave um, exposure where you're, you're losing your short-term memory, they still retain enough of themselves to recognize friendship and family and um, animals and all of that. But they um, would still have an immediate and deep-seated reaction to uniforms, mm-hmm. particularly law enforcement or army personnel right. or robots. Um, simply from everything that they went through before. Um, so I think that partially explains some of their immediate violent freakouts. Well, and after um, two and a half decades of relying only on people who look like them and only right. being able to trust themselves and then coming out to the outside world and seeing other people and encroaching on their, their land. I mean, think about it. You're, you're you're on some quest doing something you th- you think you're doing in some abandoned mine or whatever and really you're encroaching on their home you're i think that also and you're coming could, in with weapons <laughs> you know go ahead yeah. i think that also that could tie back into you know the blue suits that they talk about we speculated that it could be right it could be the vault dwellers but what if it's actually just policemen police officers i think it's yeah mm-hmm. and even if it isn't the vault dwellers i think they would be triggered maybe by the color blue um in in sensory deprivation um you actually become colorblind as a short-term result but eventually you get that back so even if they lost their ability to perceive color they would eventually get that back enough to see the color blue have this deep-seated reaction and memory um, yeah. and act accordingly. Even if none of that were true, what happened when they came to the surface um, would also explain kind of their their immediate violent behavior towards us. So, you know, the Great War is over. Decades pass. They, they come back to the surface um, and they meet the Appalachian Enclave who emerges from the bunker and goes out and starts doing patrols um, in t- before 2086, sometime between when the Enclave started doing um, routes and really categorizing and cataloging things in the area, they meet the mole miners and had probably not a very great reaction to them. Um, the fire breathers um, encountered them on March 10th, 2095. The way that this happened is is kind of sad. So the fire breathers, part of the new responders, mm-hmm. uh, use that from the five of the responders. Um, <laughs> right. they received a report that there was uh, a group of unidentified people in the area, um, that were over, um, in Brim quarry. And just the fact that they were there was making people nervous. So they hadn't done anything. They hadn't, um, bothered any settlers, hurt anybody, anything like that. So the fire breathers are sent out, you know, here they are, they're armed, they're ready to fight. Um, Lieutenant Thomas is a fire lieutenant in Charleston. Before the Great War, he joined the fire breathers afterward. He led the team into Brim Quarry. Um, the, 
they immediately um, attacked the unidentified enemies. Garrett on their squad was killed. He was only 20 years old and died trying to save his squad. They buried him nearby. Um, he described them in the action report that can be found in Room Court. It reads that we encountered moderate numbers of, well, we aren't sure what to make of them. They appear to be bipeds wearing those old heavy miner suits. They grunt and shriek like monsters, but we find wallets, keys, watches. I don't know if I'll ever understand all the horrors of this new world. They killed all of the mole miners. And he closed the report by saying, like other reports indicate, they don't seem to feel or care about anything. They can't be human, at least not anymore. So the way in which that's worded is, is kind of telling. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were looked at as monsters, and even the fact that they weren't bothering anybody, it's kind of like, <laughs> this is like a typical 1950s uh, horror scenario in which um, a monster doesn't do anything, but um, the universe and society is so totally against them right. that they end up making them into the monster right the, the, um, that's i mean that is one of the messages from those early uh horror movies is that if humanity doesn't understand a thing we kill it <laughs> right that our, our response to the thing that we don't understand or can't fit into our worldview is it must be destroyed reject it get, get it out of here um right. which that relates directly to yeah which is still a problem in modern times yep um yep Later on, you know, we find before Wastelanders, we, we find that one final haunting holotape from the overseer um, at Mountainside Bed and Breakfast. And in it, you know, she's she's been critically wounded. She has no supplies left, ironically enough. Um, and she's kind of there bleeding out, leaving her last holotape. And she'd been attacked by a mole miner um, mm-hmm. right on site. So. If you take all of that, if you think about these former miners who were shot, shelled, gassed, and attacked by people in uniform and robots, still, after 26 years, um, they come back to the surface and they're still dealing with that. Of course, they're going to be violent to us on site. Um, knowing all of that, I, I started to think, too, about one final upsetting realization that I just have to subject you to. <laughs> okay, so all of this comes down to this, right? Okay. Comes down to this. Go on. <laughs> Uranium fever. So mm-hmm. we know that they have a city of some kind. They live underground. Um, when you think of uranium fever, if you stop and think of for a minute about what that event really is, um, once nothing happens until you trigger the mining equipment to start mining again. Mm-hmm. They tunnel up from below or from side tunnels. And if you watch, their primary motivation seems to be to destroy the drilling equipment. Right. So the question is, why do they care about the drilling equipment? They don't attack equipment anywhere else. Right. They do attack you if you start uh, raiding the mother load um, and taking stuff from it that, you know, they, they could think of as theirs, that you're taking their property. But it doesn't make sense for them to destroy equipment. They don't right. really do that anywhere else. Unless they're so, trying to protect something. Which is my point. Right. So in our, our casual act of, of harvesting materials, what if we're actually drilling down into their city, uh-huh. uh, killing their children and their families, and they're just up here trying to, to shut down the equipment? 
Right. Um, right. Or just so protect us final, from discovering it. I mean, it could be as simple as that. Yeah, it could be that too, but it, yeah. yeah. Either way, it's, it's upsetting. So uh, congratulations. You'll never look at them the same way again. I know I don't. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. So Lainey's still very new in the game. She hasn't actually gotten to uh, experience running into them, but now she's going to be very well equipped to feel terrible at her, about herself when she snipes them in the head. So congratulations. You have that to look forward to. <laughs> she's just nodding. She's like, yep. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, that uh, thank you for digging into that. That was a lot of um, really cool histories and concepts all kind of pulled together to help us understand what it is we might be actually running into in this game. Um, I know a lot of people who listen to the Follow Lorecast haven't necessarily tried 76. It's it's a lot better than it was when it launched. I've been having a oh, ton yeah. of fun. I took a big break after playing it for a few months when it launched, but I'm I'm back and I'm regularly playing it now all the time. It is It is a very good game. And if you've enjoyed things like Fallout 4 and the lore behind the stuff going on in the world, it's a lot of the same types of stuff. Some of the same writers, uh, there's a lot to it and it's very enjoyable. So, um, you know, if you're still on the fence, maybe wait to get it on sale, but I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think that this is, this is turning into a, I don't know, an amazing game with a lot of potential as the future continues to roll out new content. Yeah. And just even, um, Text in in chat. We had so much fun last Friday, digging into in PTS, um, trying to figure out because there's there's new content in the game, but it's not linked to anything yet, so we don't know mm-hmm. what it is or what the story is going to be there. But some really amazing lore building on the Enclave and the Brotherhood, um, and even I have to compliment. I don't know if if Barrett wrote the Mole Miners or if, if somebody else did, but. Um, the way in which these characters have been written is makes them some of the most unique new characters that we've had added to fallout in a while now. Um, especially after yeah. kind of digging into all of that, when you, you think about their backstory and you know, they're kind of tragic. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, we've already have, we already have feral ghouls, which are the equivalent of something like zombies and we already have robots that can be programmed to attack us. So Outside of those and like Nazis, like what else do you put in a game that you feel justified in having to fight or monsters, you know, Um, but giving us something like the mole miners that are kind of this gray area where you go, I have to defend myself. I need to go do there and do the quest down there and there's things I want. But at the same time, are these really people? Is Is there a moral reason I shouldn't be fighting against them? You know, and that's a great that's a great thing to develop in a game because it puts you in a. You know, that's that's where games like Fallout really shine the most is in the gray areas. And it's wonderful to have an enemy potentially who and maybe not. In some cases, Mama Merg Merg isn't a bad guy. You don't want to shoot her in the face. You want to turn in your script and get your your legendary. So, um, you know, it, there's a lot more potential in these in between types of situations and dilemmas than in just like, oh, there's a monster. Kill it. With the treasure hunters coming back as well, uh, we can all feel like monsters again. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed that. That was fun. We, we grouped up when that we was are the monster doing it and, and got some, killed some of those guys and, and yeah, you feel kind of bad chasing them around because they just run away. Um, but you got to get, you got to get that legendary boxing glove that gives you plus one perception <laughs> or whatever. Um, well, cool. Well, I, I still have it, to kill them because the, the, the uh, if anybody has pails, loot table has been updated from them. So a lot of the the new stuff 
you can't get yet. Like some of the really cool outfits um, are part of that loot table. So people have been opening the, the mole miner pails and uh, I'm going to have to kill them. <laughs> going to have to kill them all. Awesome. Well, um, let's, uh, we're getting close to the end of the show here. Uh, we have to say thank you to everybody who helps support the show, helps promote us on social media, who leaves reviews. I don't bring this up on every episode of the fallout hub. This is something I regularly mention on the fallout Lorecast. but for both shows, if you are a supporter on any of my shows on Patreon, or if you are even just somebody who shows up in the live streams and helps tell your friends about the shows, we really do appreciate it. It helps us get the word out that there are some awesome fallout shows out there for you to listen to and enjoy together. So thank you to everybody who helps support the shows. Um, if you're interested in supporting the fall Lorecast, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash fall Lorecast. In a future episode, I will be reading out some of the ratings and reviews that we got over the last month and um, welcoming our new patrons from last month, which I will do on the next episode. And if you're interested in supporting the fallout hub, you guys know where to find us every week. Come hang out with us. Tell your friends, leave a rating and review. And that also brings up the Patreon. Come talk with us on the Robots Radio Patreon. We love having new people jump in all the time talking about Fallout stuff. Our Patreon is super busy. Lots of awesome people sharing pictures and their experiences and playing games together and those kinds of things. So, Do you mean the Discord? Uh, on the Discord. That's the word. That's the word. Discord. I was still on Patreon. I mean the Discord. Discord. This is why Eleni is helping out with shows from now on. Um, in other news... Uh, on the Fallout Lorecast this month, we are tackling cryptids, and we will have Dave Chaffins, who isn't here this week because he's said he was going out leap peepin, peepin, leap peepin, leap peepin, and I don't know what that That's means. That's the story, but he's, you know, really, I don't know how he got I out think of the vault. Dave is out; he's looking for cryptids. That's what it is. He somehow escaped the vault through that secret door somewhere that you guys are both are using. Yeah. My only, I'm not, I'm the only one who hasn't left recently and uh, is looking for cryptids. Uh, he'll be back with me and Lainey next week. To talk about cryptids. We'll be talking about different cryptids every week this month after this episode. And uh, what else do you have going on, Ken? That's it. A lot of writing, a lot of writing, more uh, Chad episodes coming out. A lot of writing. A lot of a fun, lot of writing, a lot of fun videos. I'm writing well, yeah, that and I'm writing two episodes concurrently. Yeah. At the end of the month, I'm really excited. We've got um, a few unique live streams that we're doing. We're doing um, a drive-in. So um, the cast and I will be doing some horror movie drive-ins. That'll be fun. We're going to watch some of the, the worst horror movies ever yeah. made. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're swapping shows. This is something we're doing on the yeah. robots radio network. Some of the shows are going to be trading shows. Um, I'm working out uh, an episode that I think I'll, be doing of the omega broadcast where i'm Ooh. i'm not gonna it's gonna be silly it's gonna be silly um but anyway if, fun stuff if it's not up. buddy bots adventures at appalachia oh my god listening. oh my god i was thinking uh don't tell i mean he's in the chat i can't i can't reveal my secret plan but yeah that <laughs> would be that would be amazing maybe i'll just do that um <laughs> that would be great so yeah, buddy bot. <laughs> and then I was exploring the mountains of Appalachia. Yeah, a good one, buddy bot. Uh, yeah, uh, MJ Tanner was just asking what we're watching. Um, we're gonna watch Deathbed, the bed that eats. That's a real. <laughs> that's a real corker. It's a real good movie. Uh, we're also gonna watch Alice, Sweet Alice, which is a, another really good weird movie. Our movie. <laughs> Hey, so speaking of mole miners, if ever you decide to add a mole miner character to Chad, I want to be able to do the voice and I'll voice it like Bane. Hey, Batman. I think that would be a great addition to the show. 
Uh, anyway, that's it for us. Thank you guys for tuning in. And <laughs> Deathbed is amazing. Uh, Mr. MJ Tanner knows. Yeah, it really, it's, it's a mess. The cast hasn't seen it, so they're in for a real treat. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So stay tuned and um, check out some of the other, sh- other shows on the Robots Radio Network. We've got a bunch of awesome shows, including a bunch of Fallout shows. And uh, we'll be swapping shows at, at near the end of this month for, for Halloween. We're putting on costumes and wearing each other's shows. It's going to be awesome. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in as usual. Thank you for being here for the live chat. And thank you for listening with your ear holes. And we will talk to you next time. Until next time, don't get stuck in a minor suit and, you know, uh, have hallucinogens and mutants with radiation and then say mean things and remember <laughs> mama murmurmurg needs love too she needs love too she loves those bacon those cookies if you if you meet if you meet a mysterious malt miner at a bar late at night with a bowling pin and cookies oh. tell her hi for us all right see you guys later To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.